And God dropped this phrase on my heart, look back. And as I was sitting there and just kind of thinking on that, he dropped a verse in my heart. So we're just going to kind of see what the Holy Spirit takes tonight, if that's okay. Sound good? All right, so look back. I was, he told me to look back and just see how far they've come. Like, I've known Jordan and Jasmine and Earl for some time. And just looking at where they started or when I first met them and to where they are now, they have grown tremendously. And God just told me just to look back and just reflect back on kind of my walk too. And us as individuals, and a lot of times we don't like looking back because there's hurt, there's all kind of things back there, but sometimes we have to look back to be reminded of God's goodness and grace towards us. So, um, the title of this message for you note takers, which you all should be tonight, is called Look Back. So, outside of everything nerd, comics, superhero movies, all that things too, I actually enjoy history. Not so much while I was in school and having to learn it to get a grade, but I enjoy it now just getting to read about uh, different empires, the rise and fall of them, different individuals in history who accomplished great things. And I just love studying history when I have free time, which isn't a lot, but I do enjoy studying history. And one of my favorite TV shows, some of you may remember, is a show called Band of Brothers. It was on HBO during the 90s, and it dealt with, uh, told the stories of these men who were part of the first air Divi- uh, paratrooper division during World War II. And what I loved about the, movie, uh, the series, outside of the beautiful opening uh, soundtrack, was that they would start each show by interviewing one of the soldiers who were in this platoon. And this one specifically focused on a group called Easy Company, one of the platoons, a part of this paratrooper, I think it's the 101st paratroopers. And they followed their time from the time they were training in Georgia to the time they went to when they had their first jump into uh, France the day before D-Day to kind of build that beachhead and set that battlefront for everybody, all the way up to the end of World War II. And at the end of begin of every show, they would interview certain people who might be portrayed in the show and who were part of this uh, battalion, and they would talk about their memories from training, from the different battles, and how a lot of them had lost friends or had lost limbs, and you could just see the emotion just trying to stir up everything that happened 30-plus years ago for them. And I sat there, and I'm just really just, it was great writing, and it just really brings you in, just shows like the band of brothers that was formed um, by this extreme circumstance of war. And so, like I said, I love history, and if you haven't seen a show, it might be a little gory, but it is a fantastic, fantastic story. So, I bored you with a little bit myself, but why do we study history? Anybody, why study history? Exactly. It can't repeat itself. What'd you say? So we know what happened. So we can exactly learn from what happened. These are all great things. Everything. <laughs> Actually, in my notes, it's like y'all have taken my notes before I took them. So fantastic. So study history to know how we get how we got to where we are now. Um, you look at even just the United States and how we started as a as a uh, thirteen colonies and how we grew into this nation. Now it's interesting seeing how. Different people have come along and tried to take over America, how we've entered into certain wars, how we have given people rights and done different things and just the growth of this country. And we're still in this growth in this country as well, hopefully for the better, but we're still believing that God will revive this nation and just ring true and just bring his glory here. And like you all said, we learn from history so we don't repeat the same mistakes and hopefully learn something. 
So we study history, we study the Word, especially when you look at some of the more historical books in the Bible, like um, Genesis, Exodus, First and Second Kings, the books of Samuel, uh, Chronicles. These all chronicle, actually, the journey of God's people from Abraham and so on all the way up to a nation. And then you see the rise of the nation over the land of Canaan, how they'll have a great king who will follow God and the nation follows God to horrible kings who turn their back on God and fall into idolatry and God just lets them be. But we study that so we can hopefully learn from them. And you would think after all this time of all this up and downs with the um, with God, you would have thought eventually the Israelites would have been like, you know what, let's just follow God once and just see what happens and just stay with it. But he's not looking for puppets. He's looking for people who will just follow him wholeheartedly. So he never forced his hand on him. He sometimes just let him be. So tonight we're going to be in the book of Exodus chapter 12, 28 through 36. And to kind of set the stage for this, this is towards the end of the Israelite captivity in Egypt. And we pick up with the following. Um, In verse 29, At midnight the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. Pharaoh arose in the night, he and all his officials and all the Egyptians, and there was a loud cry in Egypt, for there was not one house without someone dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron in the night and said, Rise up, go away from my people, both you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you said, take your flocks and your herds, and as you said, and be gone, and bring a blessing on me too. The Egyptians urged the people to hasten their departure from the land, for they said, We shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened with their kneading bowls, wrapped them in their cloaks on their shoulders. The Israelites had done as Moses told them. They had asked the Egyptians for jewelry of silver and gold and for clothing, and the Lord had given people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have so that they let them have what they asked. And so they plundered the Egyptians. Um glad God dropped that passage on my heart to really just illustrate this idea of looking back. Because before this final plague happens, God institutes Passover for the Israelites. And they are to do this festival or celebration every year to look back on their time in captivity. When they were slaves, when they were calling out for a savior, and Moses insisted. And then God goes and sends these ten plagues upon Egypt not to, um, not to convince Pharaoh, but to show his power and show that he was greater than any of their gods. And actually, at some point, I'll do a message about each ten plague and how each plague was an attack against an Egyptian god, which was God was showing his power over even these gods the Egyptians worshipped. But everything was leading up to this final plague, and so Passover occurs, and we all know if you study, if you have read this passage, we know that during Passover there was just slaughter of blemish, uh, lamb without blemish, and put the blood upon the mantle of the door. And when the angel of death saw that, he would pass over their home. And there was other stuff with this as well, eating certain herbs, partaking in a certain meal during this time to commemorate everything that happened during this time period. So God already is instituting something that has people looking back on the hard times. And for those of us who went through the Passover Seder, uh, my favorite part was eating the bitter herbs that were dipped in the salty, salty, salty water. It was disgusting. But... Everything about that Seder had meaning, and it pointed back to this. And God's in the habit of, yes, 
you always looking forward to what he is doing, but don't forget what I've done for you in the past. So why do we not often want to look back? Well, I'm glad you asked the question. When we look back, we tend to focus on our failures, our hurts, our heartaches, our hangups, and our shortcomings, and how many times that we have let God down. And the enemy is brilliant in the fact that he will harp on those failures. Oh, you messed up this way. You remember that. Oh, you did this. You must not really love God. Oh, you've done this. Why would God love you? You said this about so-and-so. You thought this. The enemy knows your shortcomings. He knows where you've fallen short, and he knows when best to attack you when you're at your weakest, when you feel most separated from God. Because his job, he knows, for us in the church, isn't to unsave us. His job is to keep our eyes off of God and what he has been doing for us and what he is going to do. And he's a master of that. So he knows these areas of our life that others may not know about, and he will remind you every time you fail. And any Christian will tell you, no matter how long you've been walking, the enemy will attack you at some point. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when he will attack you. But the good news is, through the cross, through the gospel, there is grace for all. So, Lisa, my next question is, why do we look why do we look back? Big reason to remind us of what God has done in our lives. When I look at my life and how it's all played out, this is not the life I would have picked out for myself. Um, if you were talking to five, seven, eight year old Keith, he wanted to be a basketball player or a soccer player, traveling the world, playing these big clubs and events. He would have had a beautiful wife, kids, lived in a big house in the burbs, three-car garage with all the fanciest sports cars, able to travel at leisure, do what he wants to do. He might have joined a church, but not to the extent what I'm doing now. And he would have lived a good life according to the world standards. But thankfully, God comes along and says, nope, I have a different plan for you, scrawny boy. And as I look back on the events, and I love what Ms. Michelle said last week about um, what God has done. It's like a puzzle coming together. And while you're going through it, you can't really see those pieces coming together. But when you look back, you're like, oh, I see what you were doing there, God. I see why you didn't let me be a great basketball player or soccer player. I see why you haven't let me be married yet. I see why you have pushed me into ministry. And the picture kind of gets more and more revealed the longer you walk with them. So you look back to see what God has been doing as he assembles this picture picture together. But we're always looking forward to what he is going to do. So like I said, this life isn't one that I would have planned for myself. But thank God that it is the life that he had planned for me because I love what I do. I love that I'm part of such a thriving church community and get to come up here and share with you guys on occasion whenever the Isbells let me. Or when they don't, I don't care. (laughs) And if we look at all of our lives, we all have that same story. We all may be at different places in our walk. We all may be at different levels of spiritual maturity, but we're all here. We're all breathing. That means God has been orchestrating things that we not even are aware of. I look at my life, and even the path that how I got to this point couldn't have been done by any human. This has to be God doing it. And if you're honest with yourselves, you can look back and say, you know what, God, I didn't understand what was happening then, but there are some things that I see now that you were doing that I never would have understood if I had been there, if you had been telling me along the way. And that's where that faith and trust comes into, so you can walk with God and really see the picture he's doing. Because God didn't just put you here by accident. You didn't get here by accident. Nothing you've done has taken him by surprise. He's not 
oh, no, I didn't see that coming. I better have a plan B or something. God is sovereign. He's omnipotent. He knows the future. He knows the mistakes you're going to make. He knows when you're going to be hard-headed and walk away from him. He knows when you're going to be faithful and walk, yet he still uses all those events, the good and the bad, to bring you to him and bring you to this point. And for those of you who may not be believers, he has been working behind the scenes to get you to this point. The enemy may have been using things in your life for evil to pull you away from him, but God will turn it around and use those bad things in your life to bring goodness to you and glory to his name. Amen? So we all have stories that we all probably would have written differently, but God has been writing a different story our lives. And I often look back at the Israelites. We remind of what God has done. And just like in Passover, the Israelites had scripture to go back on. They had people chronicling their growth as a nation from the time they crossed the Jordan, broke down the walls of Jericho, and took over the land of Canaan. They have chronicles of every king and their exploits in the Bible, the good and the bad. So I look back and I see almost this bipolar relationship with the Israelites and God. They'd have times where they would walk extremely, extremely close with God and do everything he would commanded, and they were loved and they were blessed. And then for whatever reason, you would get a hard-headed ruler or king, and he would be like, you know what? God's working great for now, but let's try this God over here or this thing over here. So what you see as you read through Scripture isn't aren't these perfect civilization or group of people who do everything right. You see kind of this wave. You have like a good king who has everybody following God, and down here a king who wants to do uh, follow the idols and the gods of the nations around them. And you see this wave going on where you see idolatry, where you see people sacrificing to idols. There's even a point where you see a king sacrificing his child in order to get a blessing from one of the gods. That's in the Bible. Read it. But you have this crazy relationship. Yet God had them all look back and look back to the promise he made Abraham, saying, I will make you a nation, a nation of great people. He made the same promise to Isaac and to Jacob, who became Israel eventually. He is going to keep his promises. And so we look back in the Bible also to be reminded of the promises of God. Like I was saying on Sunday, the Bible is littered with promises, and God is one to keep them. If it's written, it's a promise. Like I was saying, if you are in need of healing, Jesus was crucified, and by his stripes you were healed. If you were thinking you were alone and that you have nobody, God is walking with you because he will not forsake you. If you have had your heart broken or feeling unloved, God is near to the brokenhearted. Scripture is littered of promise, littered full of promises. So we look back in the scripture, we look back at the history of the Israelites to be reminded of God's goodness toward the people that he loves. And thankfully, as Christians, we are now grafted into that family. We are grafted into the kingdom with him. Amen? So, point one, reminded of what God has done for us. Point two is kind of a short one to see how far you have come. Like I said, last night sitting there and seeing Earl just spitting fire at points, and then Jordan just leading well, and then Jasvir even coming and throwing in a lot of wisdom there, it was cool looking back and just, I've known Jordan and Jasvir a bit longer than Earl, but just seeing where they were, like Jasvir, first time I met him, just very hungry for the Lord, but still had a lot of questions. And then he was sitting there last night speaking wisdom and truth to a sister in Christ who needed the encouragement. Jordan and Rebecca stepping up and leading awesomely. 
I remember, the, I remember the first time I asked you guys, did you want to lead a small group? And your immediate answer was like, no, are you crazy? <laughs> but luckily, I was persistent and a bit um, persuasive, and you guys are doing an awesome job. And Earl, I don't know you as well as everybody else, but from what I have heard about you and where you are now, you have grown in mountain sizes in your faith. It's amazing seeing how big a transformation God has done in your heart over the past few months, which I know hasn't been easy for your family, but brother, keep pressing into God, keep seeking after him, and I swear you, you will see him glorified in your life in ways you won't imagine. And then I look at even like my youth group, um, just looking at the kids who were part, are part of that. I look at Grace, who <laughs> did not want to come to youth group at first, but then again, her, Gabe, and their friend came to youth group when we had a big movie night, and we were all running around screaming and yelling, and they were just sitting there like, what are we getting into? But thankfully, through some persuasion and a couple times visiting, they are pillars in the youth group. A lot of the young girls look up to Grace as someone to emulate as a believer, and I've seen her step up and give messages and just love so well. Even Gabe, give him a lot of grief and everything, but he's starting to come out of his shell and really grow and even starting to write small messages that he shares with me. But I see God working in his heart, and one day he's going to get up in youth and give a message. It might be two or three minutes long, but it will be his message. And then I think about, i got to talk about Hemp. Hemp, I've been discipling him now for almost, a little, well, over a year now, and to see his growth as an individual in Christ has been amazing. And he is going to get up here and preach on a Sunday. We, we have talked about this is happening. So he is going to preach. He's preached at youth group, and he brought an amazing word. It was cool. The first day, uh, one of the times we had met for coffee, he typically comes, has some questions. We talk life. We talk scripture. But he came and was like, all right, I've got to share something with you. And then 20 minutes later, he stopped talking. And he's like, what do you think? And I said, you're going to preach at youth group in two weeks. And he just had this amazing word, and he did like me, just took a passage of scripture, dissected it, pulled it apart, and then went and taught on it. And it was a fantastic message. And I see so much potential in all these kids, and I can see God using them in mighty ways if they continue to look back and see that God is good, to see what God has been working in all of them. And even as I look around this room, I know some of you well, some of you don't. I don't know as well, but thank God we're part of the same church so we can all journey together and learn our stories together and really see what God has been doing in all our lives. I know Ms. Lourdes has shared her testimony, and it was a wild one. But she is here, and she is so full of the Spirit, and you know that she loves the Lord with all her heart, all her soul, all her mind, and all her body. Miss Debbie has been through a lot. Uh, Miss Laura has given some great testimonies. Jeremy, one of my brothers, he's just opened up about a whole lot of stuff over the time. And even seeing his growth since I joined the youth team has been amazing to the point where he's actually going to go preach on Sunday at youth group and super excited about that message. But I look back to see what God has been doing in all these people who I hold dear to my life. And I'm amazed and blessed because I get to be a part of this journey with you guys. So, like I said, we fought, We look back to see, remind us what God has done in our lives and see how far we've come. And for those of you who might be listening or in here and feel like, well, I haven't gotten that far, it's okay. You're making steps in that right direction. As Matt Chandler would say, 
you are stumbling forward in your faith. And that's an encouragement to me because that means I'm not walking straight up perfectly. I'm stumbling forward, trying to get my footing, chasing after God as I look to become more and more like Christ. And that's only going to happen by the wooing of the Holy Spirit to make me love the things of the Lord, to make me love the people of the Lord so I can become more and more and more like his son, Jesus. So if you're not, if you feel like you're not where we all are, breathe because we all were where you were at some point. So be encouraged that growth is a process. It takes time. But if you spend time in the Word, spend time in God community like this, spend time in prayer, spend time seeking after God, you will hit these milestones like you've been hearing me preach about. And your milestones will be just as glorious and just as amazing as anybody else's. Plus, this is where your testimonies come from. And like Pastor Allen was saying, and I've heard people say, your testimony will speak to somebody. It may not be like his testimony, which was amazing last week and super encouraging that my pastor was willing to get up and be completely vulnerable and transparent with you guys because a lot of pastors don't want to do that. But that courage and boldness showed me that his testimony, what God has done in his life has been miraculous, and he had his hand in his life from a very, very early age, even though he may not have seen it. But God is still working with him and doing things, and you all will have your own testimonies. And your own testimony will speak to somebody else. And it will always point back to Christ and what he has done for you. So, like I said, we do, we do these things to glorify God, to seek after him. But don't be so focused on the future that you don't take time to look back on occasion and see what God has done. Because you stay too focused on the future, you will miss out and become tired and worn out and not see God's hand quite as much as if you take time to look back. The Bible is God's word, and it's great, but you have to remind, you, remind yourself that we're getting kind of a airplane view of this. These people are the people we read about. We get snippets of their life over many, many, many years, thousands of years in this word, and a lot of times we forget that in the day-to-day grind, I'm sure David had his doubts. I'm sure Abraham, Abraham surely doubted. Jacob doubted. Everybody doubted. The only person who didn't, the only person who really said they doubted was Thomas, and it's kind of, it's kind of sad that he's the doubting Thomas because he's become just a kind of cliche. But everybody had their doubts. I'm positive of it. I'm sure there were times where God was speaking to them just fine, and there were times where he just seemed silent, and it seemed like they weren't there. He just wasn't there. But be encouraged that God has not left you and that he has not forsaken you because as a believer, you have the Holy Spirit with you. And because of that, you are connected directly to God. He is the living water. He is the living branch. And it's through him that we do all these great things, not of our own strength, but because of him. So I know this was kind of a short message, but the last thing we do when it comes to looking back, we do it to remember Christ. And something I wanted to do tonight that God laid on my heart that we are going to do was partake of communion. And I use that passage in Exodus because it was from the Passover that the Lord's Supper comes out of. If you look back to um, the Last Supper with Jesus, it was a Passover Seder. It wasn't randomly him going and being like, all right, I'm doing something new, guys, before I leave. We're going to call this communion. Ooh. Jesus had been walking with these disciples for three years, so... For the majority of them, they had gone through at least two other Passovers with them. 
They'd gone through all the readings. They'd gone through all the meals. They knew it backwards and forwards. But this last one is the one that Jesus comes and kind of changes things up. And not totally because it was already written into the Passover Seder, and they just didn't realize it at the time. So we remember what Christ has done, and we do that through communion. So I'm going to ask everybody to come up here and get some of the elements. There's bread. There is grape juice. And if we don't have enough, I got some extra back there. The elements. All right, before we partake of them, I'm going to read through communion. And just during this time, just look back. Just As a matter of fact, just right now, just close your eyes for a minute and just look back on what God has done in your life. Think about those times where he didn't seem like he was working. But I promise you he was. During those moments of darkness, during those times of hurt, during those times of pain, God was acting on your behalf and you didn't realize it. Even working during those times where you weren't even seeking him. Think back to the cross. Think back to Jesus' last words. Like the song said, it is finished. So anything you have done in the past, anything you might have done or are going to do has been crucified with Christ on the cross. If you're in need of anything right now, just go to God right now and just thank him for that healing, for that provision, for that restoration because this is all promised in Scripture. Think back to the times now when God did show up in an amazing way, where maybe a bill was due that you didn't have the money for, and miraculously it showed up. Or where you had gotten a report that wasn't good, and then God heals you, and the report says everything is great. Or a time where there might have been some emotional hurt caused by a loved one, but God entered into that space and healed that brokenness and reconciled and restored that relationship. Think back. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In remembrance of me. We always have the word, but communion is the one thing amongst all Christians that we all do together that unifies us. Because now we're all drawn back to the cross. We're drawn back to Jesus' sacrifice. And so we take it with glad and sincere hearts because we look back to what Jesus did. So that way, now we can be made right with God. So that way, now we can be called sons and daughters of the Most High. So that now we can receive all the glorious riches according to his grace and mercy. And now we're all one family. And I love communion because this unites every denomination, Catholic, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Methodist, non-noms, everyone under the sun who takes communion is united in Christ because we believe that Jesus is who he said he was. 
he lived a perfect life. He died and paid a price that we could never pray, pay for God because God demands justice. And it's through Christ that we are granted new life in him. So you may take the elements. Amen. So I know it was kind of a shorter message, but looking back is so, so, so important. But also, we look forward to what God's going to do. So we're going to end into another time of worship. So I invite everybody just to come down to this front row, and we're just going to worship as we look forward to what God is going to do in this city through us.